The Holy Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus prayed for his disciples, and then he said, I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one, as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Today I want to talk about this passage, which is another one of the favorites, right? <laughs> As I said last time, the Holy Scripture is my favorite because... <laughs> It gives us an insight into the mind of God and also an insight into the struggles we face as human beings. So the Holy Scripture is not only about God, it is about us and God. It's about our relationship with the divine. And it'll make sense in, in a moment. Uh, but, but I want to talk about that passage from the book of Acts. I love that there is this character of a young woman. And she is able to tell people about their future. So I ask you all, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with someone telling others what may lie ahead in their lives? Right? There is nothing wrong with that. In fact, this young woman is actually saying things about these apostles, which is true. She's not saying anything which is not true. Then what was the need for the apostles to drive out that spirit from within her? 
You see, what she is saying is not wrong. What she is offering people is not wrong. Then why do that? So you see, the followers of Jesus Christ have a problem with a structure that is unjust. You see, she was a slave. And there were others who were making money off of her talent to tell others what was in the future. That whole structure was problematic. And the apostles undid that structure. They dismantled a structure in which someone else was making money, quite literally making a profit out of a situation in which someone else was in bondage and in a situation of less privilege. You see, that is the work of the apostles. That is the act of an apostle. That wherever you see injustice, a system which is giving someone more privilege than the others, you do what? You, ready for this? You dismantle it. And you know what happens when you dismantle? I mean, you, the people of St. Paul's, know what happens when you dismantle privilege. Right? People say, how in the world did this happen? We had a very nice system going. We were the privileged people. Okay? We had things working very nicely for us. And how in the world did it happen that this system started dismantling right before our eyes? And those who were less privileged were raised up. And those who were, were invited to examine their privilege. And in this process, people who felt they had privilege had a very similar reaction to the people who go to the Roman authorities. You know, people in that situation always find some authority to go to and complain and say, what? Somehow take these people out because they are disrupting the entire way, the entire way that our system used to work. Now, do you not think that the followers of Jesus Christ did not know the consequences of their actions? They did. 
You know why? Because they followed the Jesus who was led to the cross because he stood for the outcasts. He healed the lepers. He brought his Samaritans. He is the one who went to the woman who was being stoned and said no. He did all that work of challenging a system in which privilege was taking advantage of others and hurting others. The people who follow Jesus Christ understood what the consequences of dismantling a system of privilege would be. Did that stop them from dismantling it? No. They land in jail. They were flogged. You know what flogging means? When that hits on your skin, your skin rips apart. It is painful, my friends. Flogging causes deep pain all over your body wherever that thing hits you. And what are we told that these people, the followers of Christ, are doing? They're sitting in the jail with pain, deep pain of those lashes on their body. And what are they doing? You heard it. Come on. Praising God. They were singing songs in praise of God. Can you imagine that these people who are hurting so deeply, physically, <laughs> are actually there and singing God's praises? Why would you do that? If you did not believe that that was the right thing to do, even if the consequences were what they were facing. And then we hear the earthquake comes <clears throat> and their chains are broken. The walls are down. And this is the part I really love. Just like their master, they did not choose to run away from the situation. You know why Jesus' story is so powerful? Because Jesus is God incarnate. God came into this world and we were really, really bad to God. Right? But God didn't say in the person of Jesus, these guys are crazy. I, I think I'm leaving them. Right? This is not what, this is not what Jesus did. Jesus stood through all of that 
ended up on the cross. And what were his words on the cross? Exactly, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right? The people don't know what they are doing. Well, what are they doing? They are trying to preserve their privilege. And God is saying through Jesus, look, I love everyone equally. (laughs) You know why? Because you're all my children. I don't know if you are the only one or if you are, uh, you have other siblings. But if we are honest, sometimes it is hard to have other siblings and share their love with your parents. Michael looks at his mom. Now, <laughs> right? If we are honest, it is true. It is true. It is true that sometimes we want all the attention and the focus and all the, you know. And yet, if we are the children of God, we have to accept that all of us are equally worthy of God's love. Right? So, the power of incarnational theology. Now, I have to often remind myself that I, uh, I'm in the Episcopal Church, and you know, you know about the Episcopal Church. We like to make things really complicated with fancy words. So, so incarnational theology, all it means is what? It means that God likes to be with us. That's all. God likes to be with us. God wants to be with us through everything. Through everything. That is what incarnational theology is. And guess what? God doesn't leave when it gets tough. And as the followers of Jesus Christ, we do not leave. In fact, the mark for us is that of being the people of joy and hope and healing in the midst of a very difficult situation. And not only that, but in a situation where we have done the work of Jesus Christ, dismantled things, and now things are going in all directions, we don't say, my chains are broken and I can just run away now. That, my friends, is incarnational theology. That is the work of Jesus Christ, which is what these apostles are doing in this situation. The gospel reading today is about loving one another. Last week I raised a question, why did Jesus not say it when Judas was still around? Right? Why this conversation about love when he has left the table. You can listen to that from the previous week. Today, I want to focus on the fact that loving one another 
is hard because loving one another is like that child who has to recognize that i am not the only child that has to recognize that we all have to be equal in the sight of god and when there is that inequality it is the work of the followers of christ to bring that equilibrium back through what we hear in the acts of the apostle it is the act of the apostle to dismantle systems of injustice now i know you all are sitting there thinking when is he going to say something about what is on our minds and hearts and trust me i feel that as i wrote um earlier in the week there are no words there are no words that describe or which can um even begin to to speak to the pain of losing children there are no words you see not only losing children but losing them in a space where we send them for growth and we expect them to flourish that's what schools are there for we send them <laughs> because we ho- have hope for them we send them to schools because we believe that these institutions will be the place where they will grow and flourish and, and become their fullest am i wrong no right that's that's what schools are there for otherwise you can raise your children at home too <laughs> right we send them to these places because we want them to be the best they can be we want to see growth we want to see them flourish and when the same spaces become places of death it's pain it's painful and if we are honest that it's for some it's some it's an occasion for us to stop and say how did spaces that were meant to be spaces of growth and and, and flourishing become spaces where the discussions are about how to mitigate death how did we go from here to here it's it's a moment for anyone in, <laughs> who is involved in the schools and i mean teachers and counselors and and parents and and anyone who pays taxes for the school success everyone needs to stop and ask themselves this question how did we end up from spaces of growth and flourishing 
spaces where our conversations are about how to mitigate death. My friends, as you all know, I did not grow up in this country. So uh, one of the things that I think I find difficult and I think people find difficult with me is I don't align with, you know, um, some of the narratives that, uh, you know, people have grown up with. So uh, I have my own independent thinking. And, and, and as I said at the 8 o'clock, that is what gets me into trouble most of the times. Uh, <clears throat> because I have an independent view. And, uh, and most of the world works with wanting you to align with one way or another, right? And not only align with one way or another, but there is a reason for that alignment because someone is profiting from that, right? And, and there is a system, right? And so someone is profiting. So I want us to, to think today. So the things that I say, please hear them out before you have a judgment. Whenever this uh, death happens in, a, in an environment that of a school or related to schools, almost as clockwork, there are a few things that, st- that people start talking about, right? What are those things? Gun control, mental health illness, right? Right? And we have, we have almost like formed these silos in which I'm going to talk about gun control or I'm going to talk about mental health. And we, we have just locked ourselves into these silos. And we are talking past each other, Right? So, for those who say <clears throat> all this violence and, and, and the schools becoming a place of not growth and flourishing but space for death has to do with gun control, I'm going to ask them a very simple question. If you know what happened in Shelton a few weeks back, a child from, of our own from Huntington, Was there a gun involved in it? There was no gun involved in it. So if we are honest, there was no gun involved in it. And for those who say, oh, see, that is an example, I would also say to them, imagine what the outcome would have been if there was a gun involved in there, we wouldn't be mourning just the loss of one child. So it's not about politics. It's not about, it's not about the system of this and that and profiteering that happens with that. Uh, you know, profiteering is not always about money. It's also about uh, gaining some kind of a power and privilege. And to those who say, well, a good way to, 
to manage this is to have more armed people in those spaces. Here's what I would respectfully submit to them and ask them to, to do an honest thinking about this. Is that our vision of the world in which everyone has to defend oneself from the other? Because that's what it will be. If every one of us is going around wearing these guns, what are we saying? We are saying we can't get along with each other. That we are so fearful that you might do something and I might have to use this. My friends, we as a people need to ask ourselves, is that really mental health? Is that really gun control? Is that all the other things that we talk about? And for those who mourn, I ask, why do you mourn? Why are we so much in grief today? Why are we grieving? Why is it so painful to see the pictures of all those children? Because they have lost their life. Because they have lost their life. Because the sanctity of life has been annihilated. My friends, the place where I learn the true depth in the meaning of the sanctity of life, and this, I'm sorry, is not a judgment of any kind. It's not a blame of any kind. But the place where I learn about the sanctity of life is here, my friends, where I learn about God who created life. God who sustains life. God who loves life and offers us eternal life. Life that does not end. That is where, that is where I engage with the mind of God. That is how I understand the mind of God. When I understand that this God is my parent who loves me who has given me life and wants me to have it and have it in abundance and not only for the life of this world, this flesh, eternally. That idea of life I receive here. And I 
invite every parent in this country to reflect on how much of an effort have you made in helping your child receive an entrance into the mind of god where that sanctity of life is everything because my friends <laughs> when we don't have the sanctity of life in our in our world view we don't need guns we don't need knives we will find a way to annihilate life so here's here's something i'm going to encourage you and maybe even challenge you to do because i really truly believe if we were to as people take that action it will disrupt a lot <laughs> and it will be a beautiful disruption and here's my idea advocate for it now you must be thinking where did this come from <laughs> advocate for a time of rest a time of sabbath take a day saturday with your family don't put it don't fill it up with schedules don't say i have to do this and this and this and this just spend time with your family without a schedule take time of rest why do i say that because you know that when families get together it's not easy right you have to figure out like you know you all have grown into different beings and you have to learn to what jesus says love one another but families give us a very strong foundation to start doing that and if we can take the time for our children to be with us and spending time in working out that no one sibling is more and better than the other that's a huge step we have made in raising a people a nation a world in which people know how to love one another besides it's going to be fun and we as citizens can advocate for that it's not hard it's not hard to say i want my saturday to be a time of rest is it and then the second thing i would say is 
And I say this knowing full well, people will say, oh, yeah, he's uh, saying it because of this, right? But my friends, there is no other place better to engage with the mind of God than a place that gathers in God's name. Give your children the gift of faith. Make the same effort you make to take them to dance recitals and, and dance rehearsals and, and sports meets and make the same effort to help them receive an insight into the mind of God. Because then if they understand that, you can put a pile of guns in front of them and they won't do anything with them. And guess what? If they truly begin to understand the story of Jesus Christ, even in a situation where they are hurting physically, they would know not to not to just be bystanders to the jailer who was trying to kill himself because even his life has sanctity. They would say, don't do that. Even the person who had them locked up, they will uphold the sanctity of life. You know what that will do? The Holy Scripture tells us this story for a reason. That will make the person who was part of the system of oppression ask this question. What must I do? What do I need to do? And then let's be bold enough to say, Believe in Jesus. And the whole, it's beautiful. They put out food and the whole family gets together around food. And guess what? That is the transformation we hear about in today's story. That is the transformation we hear about in today's story. So my friends, if you are feeling helpless, if you are feeling you just to lament, I would say this to you. As the followers of Christ, yes, we feel pain. But we are also an Easter people. In the midst of lamenting, we are a people of hope and rejoicing. We are a people who can look on the other side and say to someone who has been hurting you deeply, it was good to see you. Don't hurt yourself. And mean it. Because as a follower of Christ, you value the sanctity of life. I close this by saying, I um, heard that uh, two leaders talking, um, and they are thought leaders. And one of them said he did some research 
on and on on the effects of depression uh, i mean 1930s economic depression on people and what happened at that time and then um uh, uh, the world wars the first, second world war and uh, and he found something very interesting he said that when people went through really difficult times during the 1930s economic depression people ended up with a certain grit certain resilience which we are not seeing happening with the pandemic for instance right and he said what was interesting is there are stories after stories of how communities got together and in those days mostly around well, town greens which happened to be churches right uh, uh, they got together and they said well we're all hurting we don't have basic things so why don't we do this you grow tomatoes you grow this you grow that you grow that we'll come back together and we'll share the produce this is what happened in this country here right here in the 1930s and very similar stories in world war 1 and 2 people got together and they helped each other get through a difficult time and then this man said what did we see as a result of the pandemic everyone ran to the grocery store to secure that last roll of toilet paper because i'm not going to share that you see the difference one in which the community comes together to rise above the problem and hold each other up and one in which we are all for our own selves one produced resilience the other one is producing nothing but lamenting sadness darkness and the effects of it love one another love one another means that we look out for that which doesn't directly impact us but if it's a system that needs to be dismantled we put our own life at risk to fix it and that is why memorial day is so important to celebrate because we remember the people who put their lives at risk lost them so that others would have the liberty that we enjoy may our heavenly father give us capacity to be the beacons of hope the beacons of hope in our community so that we can transform the world with the